All right, so you guys would know that uh, Sarah and I lived in um, Kazakhstan, right? For, for 12 years. And uh, when we arrived in Kazakhstan, it was a foreign country and it was unknown and there were elements that were exciting and all this sort of stuff. And it moved from being strange and unfamiliar to very familiar and a place where we knew who we were and we'd seen God work and it felt like home. And then uh, God ruined the party um, and, and told us it was time to go. Um, and I found that a very, very difficult thing to accept. Um, but ended up having a garage sale, ended up organizing farewell parties. And there was this time uh, where we had the tickets uh, and I knew, and on that ticket there was Sydney. And I knew that a month from then I would be in Sydney and not in Kazakhstan. And my head knew that, but my heart would not cooperate. Do you know that feeling? Um, so the question I wanted to ask today was, what do we do when we know we need to move on to get going onto the new stage or the next season or the new thing, but somehow, somehow our hearts feel stuck? What do we do? And this question, of course, is not a theoretical question. So for many of us, for our families, uh, for our communities, and actually for our world, like we're in this pretty significant period of transition, right? Um, so personally, like we've got around this little group, like if we've got people who are losing jobs, finding jobs, losing mobility, losing people, like there's great gaining people, like there's a whole bunch of transition constantly happening. And then into our community, um, we've got these really significant transitions out of lockdown um, and coming into this, is this post-pandemic? Isn't this? Uh, I've got this whole climate transition, like what's going on? Where's this world headed? What does this mean for us? And um, so lots of questions, lots of transition. And interestingly enough, a lot of these transitions are often not what we wanted. And uh, so, and they can feel like they're kind of thrust on you. And at that point, our hearts can feel actually naturally, as I felt in Kazakhstan, quite resistant to the change. It's like, I didn't invite this. And I was thinking about this and just thinking about what we're experiencing as a community, as a city, um, as a nation. And, and, I, and I, was, I was thinking about it and the Lord brought to mind this sentence, which, is, um, which was, why are you staring up at the sky? Do you know that sentence? And, and, I, and so I looked, up, I looked up that sentence. In, um, and you may know the story. So Jesus has been resurrected. And then he spends that 40 days with his disciples. Um, and then he takes them up the mountain and he farewells them and just goes zip on up to into the sky. Now, I don't know if you ever had, had a conversation with someone who doesn't uh, share your faith and you've explained that part of the story with them. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. And then and then he goes up into the sky. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, it's one of those. It's one of those funny. That was convenient, you know. It's one. It's it's one of those parts of the story. It's just wow. Okay. Well, that's how it was. Um, so he goes up into the sky. And um, and I mean Jesus is and, and and again Jesus is gone from them. Now Jesus has been preparing them for this moment for years, right? And he's given them a clear mission, clear how to. Um, but it, 
it's still it's suddenly he's 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 no longer with them again there's this sudden change of situation a sudden loss right and so what did they do well they just stared up at the sky <laughs> stuck just staring at the sky now i don't know uh this reminded me of um when, when we were kids like i don't know if you went to the easter show but you know helium balloons so my brother used to love getting those helium balloons and we'd uh, we just let him go you know, you get out into a good clear area and they just let the balloon go and just watch the balloon. And watch it 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 until, you know, it's it kind of supposed to disappear, right? But but there was this point where your brain's kind of, and you know how you got those little things floating in your eyes anyway when you're staring at the blue sky? My brain was kind of convinced. It's like, no, 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 I can still see it. I can still see it, still see it. And that, so I think that's the disciples. They're just kind of staring at it. It's like, if we stare long enough, maybe, maybe it'll all just go away and maybe you'll just come back. And there's another point in the history of Israel um, where they have, they have their own staring at the sky moment. So the nation has fallen deep into sin. As you'll be aware, God promise, God's promised land is now full of idols. God's people have turned from him and they've just been giving themselves to their other loves. And God warns them, warns them, warns them, gives them chance after chance after chance. They only get harder and more infatuated with their other loves. And so finally God says, well, you're going to be driven out of the land. And that's the purpose of that is to wake you up. And again, the people don't listen to God. And so the people are exiled to this foreign city called Babylon, right? So you've got this once glorious nation. So you've got to think, you know, Israel was actually one of the biggest nations in the world, richest nations in the world at a time. That was in their DNA, right? And now they're just kind of this huddle of refugees on the outskirts of this city. And they're in shock. And they're in grief. They're in pain. And they're faced with this future that they just don't want. I don't want this future. I've got no hope and I'm in a foreign land. And they're all they they're just wishing that things would go back to the way they were. So they're staring at the sky. And uh, we can easily get stuck staring at the sky because it was easy for me to, when I was in Kazakhstan, to glory in our history of God in Kazakhstan than for me to face finding a job in Australia, right? No one wants to find a job in Australia. Not with Kazakhstan, your resume. Um, and so for the disciples, it was just easier for them to stare at the sky than to face the reality of the absence of Jesus' physical presence with them. Who wants to face that? It was easier for the Israelites to just curse and blame and moan and groan than to actually face, wow, God, a future that I don't understand. And right now for us, like in terms of easy for us, I think, to look back, remember how good life was, whatever that was, but back then, um, than to contemplate following God into this really unpredictable time, right? And there's this growing, I think Claire was talking about this. Was it the cafe you were talking about, Claire or something? These guys are like, well, we're open, but we don't know when we're going to be open for how long or whatever. There's just this unease in people. Oh, it was you? Okay. Um, it's just this, just this unease in people. It's like, is this, is this, is this going to? Oh, what is this time? Like, are we, are we done? Are we not done? And there's this growing awareness that actually, 
life probably isn't going back to what it was. Our past way of life has gone and it's like we've been brought into this new land that we didn't actually want to go to anyway. So how do we get unstuck? How do we find hope and energy for a future when we feel that that future is something that we would rather not have anyway? And where is God in times like that? When there's pain and disappointment crowding all around us, and what does God do? Well, the short answer is that God speaks. He brings his word, his perspective, and his promise and gets us going again. So think about the disciples, right? So they're, they're staring up the helium balloon. And, um, and these, these two, it says two men in white robes appear. And these guys, these guys are pretty blunt, right? They're the friends. It's like the frenemy or something. <laughs> like these guys are blunt because they're like, why are you staring at the sky? Like, so they, they confront them head on. It's like you're being a moron. Um, deal with it. And then they say, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Deal with it. The past is the past. Accept it. He's gone. And then they say, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. How good is that? So it's like, so they confront him with, they, they confront, the, the past is gone, but then they, they put forward this, this hope that's unbelievable. It's like this whole confusion, this whole period that you're going through where you don't know what's up and what's down and there's grief and there's loss and there's, it's going to end. It's got, it's, it's got a use-by date. It's not forever. Jesus is going to come back again. And then to the huddling, these huddling exiles, God speaks as well. I'm just going to read from Jeremiah 29 here. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they will have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. But this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete, completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And Sue, Sue shared that at our um, thing last week. And it was like, it was just, boom. it was a good word. Imagine hearing that, right? They are just cashed out. They, they feel like, oh, we've wandered way too far from God. He has, he has kicked us out. We're done. We're dunsies. And God comes and says, no, 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 no. You're exiled, but I'm with you. You are not done. You are not done. None of this has surprised me, and I have a plan for you. Now, it's tempting. I know it's very tempting to apply this personally, right? Immediately. 
and there are fridge magnets which devote themselves to that particular <laughs> verse and that, and that and that way of reading this stuff, right? And I think I think you can apply it personally, but I think when we apply it personally immediately, we miss the really really good news of this actually. So the you in this is obviously plural, right? Like Jeremiah didn't find, <laughs> I don't know, little Zebulon and go, hey, I know the plan. It's like God's speaking to a nation, right? And it's interesting for us like this, this idea that each of us, like we think we, we think we have desires for our own lives, but what we carry at our core is this thing called a social vision. And we actually have a vision of how life should be. That's what we actually carry. Now we see ourselves in that, but we actually carry a vision of what life should be. We wish for it. We long for it. And this is what God is speaking into for these people. He's giving them a vision of life together again as a community. Though they're exiled, what it would feel like for them to be in the people of the presence and promises of God in exile. And, um, and so, but to hear this word, I think to hear it well, we need to start with our city. So imagine that word being spoken to our city. I know the plans I have for Sydney plans to prosper and not harm Sydney. I know the plans I have for Hornsby, plans to prosper and not to harm. And then for our church, I know the plans I have for Viva, plans to prosper and not, plans to give a hope and a future. And then for our family, your family, I know the plans I have for the bonds, plans to prosper, not to harm. Um, then hear it for yourself. And I think if you don't have that assurance that God has this, it's like that big onion, right? <laughs> like this, like that, like that. He has plans for our world, even like when there's so much doom scrolling going around, right? It's like God knows His plans for for this world, and we sit within that. And so I think if we only apply it to our lives personally, it can feel like, well, everything else is just running out. But no, no, no. God is good and sovereign, and He has a plan for this beautiful world that He loves. So that's an assurance that 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 we need to hold on to. But I think that's really difficult for us to hear beyond ourselves. It's very difficult to move beyond the fridge magnet view of those, of those verses. And I think because I think our culture has trained us to only, think for us, only listen for ourselves. So, you know, like if you go car shopping, right? I, I found this when we were looking for cars, right? You know how like you start looking at a brand for cars, like, oh, there's one there. There's one there. There's one there. And they're everywhere, right? And my, and my, my son's um, learning saxophone, right? So you play any music, he's like, there's the saxophone. I'm like, okay. But his ears tuned to it, right? And it's like our culture has just convinced us that the only thing that we can listen for is words about us. So everything we hear, read in the Bible and everything we hear from God, it's like, oh, that's, 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 that's about me. It's like, it might be, but it's so much more than that. And so we need to kind of unlearn the way that our culture's told us to listen. Well, how do we do that? Well, God, in the, it's actually the answer is in the, script, in the, is in the text. God says, pray for the shalom of the city. That's actually how we unlearn, make it all about us. We pray for the shalom of the city. And the shalom is like the peace of the city. You know, it's the wholeness. It's the, it's the, it's the flourishing of the city. That will change how I see me. That will change how I see God. It'll have, change how we see each other. It'll change how we see the city. It will enlarge our hearts and transform our sense of purpose as well. So that's what we're doing today. Um, well, I think there's, like, there's a huge hub part of Hornsby, and it means he's got plans for all the people, for the, the community, the people who live in, in this part of Sydney. And I think the awesome thing is that he invites us into that. 
And it's actually in the context of a bigger story that we can really find peace and find our individual purpose as well. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do some prayer walking. Um, has anybody done prayer walking before? Yeah, few, most, yeah, half-ish, maybe. Um, okay, well, I don't know what your experience of prayer walking has been, and there's been a few, there's a few different ways that people do it, but um, my, my take on prayer walking is that prayer walking is about making space to listen to the heart of God for a community. So it's intentionally, it's praying and walking as, you know, as the name suggests. But what we're really doing is, you know, we're not sort of going out and just praying lots and lots of busy prayers, but we're walking around and we're asking God to show us what, what he sees and to speak to us about what his hopes and dreams for this community are. How does he see people? How does he feel about um, the different people that you're walking past, the different places that you see, and what's on his heart and what is his hope for, for this area, for this community of people. So what we're going to do is we're going to all, we're going to take about 20 minutes and we're going to, maybe one person might stay here with the, the stuff, but other than that, we're going to just walk in different directions and make sure you return within 20 minutes. Just walk and just ask God, to bless the different places and the different people that you see and try to, to ask those questions. You know, God, what's your dream for Hornsby? What's in your heart place? Um, and just try to, I guess, be quiet enough in yourself to listen to what he's saying. Um, because I see, you know, I've done a bit of prayer walking around this neighbourhood in particular. And for me, the, the thing that has impacted me most is that it's been an opportunity for God to really impart his heart to me in a way that nothing else really does. Um, and to actually, for me to, to be able to get on board with what he's doing rather than just trying to get God on board with what I'm doing. Um, so it's sort of, it's making that space to just listen to God and just seek him. So we're going to take 20 minutes. We're going to walk. You can walk in various different directions, various different places. And just, um, yeah, just go, go slowly uh, and go where, where God seems to be leading you. If, or if you don't have any sense of where he's leading you, just walk anywhere, really. And just see what you notice. What is your attention drawn to? And then ask God, God, what do you, what do you think about that? Or what do you think about those people? And then we're going to come back and share, share what your experience of that was like. And, um, and see what God's saying to us as a group. Yeah. So, that makes sense? That's great. Clear? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.